0: An ACE screen identifies exposure to different types of adverse childhood experiences, or ACEs. The more ACEs, the more likely that a child will be at risk for later health problems. The good news is, there are many ways pediatric providers can help kids and families build resilience to protect themselves from the effects of trauma and toxic stress. You're listening to Voices from the Field, a podcast where we explore the perspectives of provider screening for ACEs and toxic stress. I'm Lena Singh. In this episode, we speak with a pediatrician about his efforts in implementing ACEs screening in three military clinics in South Korea.
1: So my name is Benjamin Samuel Telsey, and I'm an active duty military captain. For the past two years, I've been stationed in Seoul, South Korea, uh, but just in the last... I don't know, five days. I've moved, uh, well, the Army has moved me, as they do uh, very often, uh, from Korea to Washington State.
0: So let's talk about how you went about implementing ACEs screening at your clinics. I understand that there were no other military hospitals or clinics with an active protocol to screen for ACEs. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, to the best of my knowledge, Army, Air Force, Navy uh, was not something that was being done anywhere. and so, yeah, uh, our clinic in Seoul, South Korea, was the first.
0: Why did you decide to implement screening when no one else was doing it, clearly?
1: All credit for this goes to my wife, actually. Um, my wife's background is was as an educator and then uh, as a mental health counselor for adolescents and youth. And um, in her circles, the ACE Study and, and ACE Science and the ACEs Connection community, all those things were on her radar for many, many years. So about four or five years ago, she started talking to me and like, you guys are talking about this all the time too, right? And, and the answer was no. I was um, four or five years ago in my pediatric residency training uh, at an army hospital learning pediatrics for a couple of years. And uh, it was not something I ever came across. So my wife passed along the studies. I started bringing them up at journal clubs and discussions um, with my peers while we were in training. And I um, People thought it was interesting. I found myself in a clinic of four pediatricians, and they designated me the leader. So um, I had the we'll call power to say, hey, I think this is super important. Let me design a protocol and and get this going and get this off the ground.
0: Did you have to sell in this idea to your superiors, the idea of a screening for ACEs?
1: Not that much, actually. Definitely the harder sell was to the other providers. because they're the ones who you're saying, hey, this is now going to become part of your practice. This is something we're asking all your patients. Uh, This is something you're going to have to address when the score is high. So that's where I got a lot more pushback.
0: Did you need to provide any training to staff, and what did you do?
1: It was some good trial and error. So initial round of training was uh, an hour with the entire clinic um, staff just to say, okay, here's this form. Here's where we're going to store it. Here's the... Screening packets—you have to staple it to. Here are the patients you need to give it to and when. Just the logistics. We didn't really get into what Aces is and why we're doing it um, on that first launch. The n- initial launch didn't go super well. Less than half the time in our charts we were documenting it, and there were three of the providers who, or two of the providers, who were doing it maybe less than ten percent of the time. So it didn't necessarily take off. So basically, the second time around, we built a working group with multiple people at every stage of the game. So, two people from the front desk staff, two screeners, two RNs, two providers. We met and kind of talked about why isn't it happening? Where's the pitfalls? Who's forgetting? You know, and then what we realized was the big missing component. We got such higher buy-in from every level across the board when we went back and had a clinic-wide retraining, but we went into the why and we explained that prevalence of ACEs and we explained the impacts later on in life. And, and to people who weren't going to be having those actual conversations with patients explaining the implementation of a high ACE score, everyone kind of like cared a little bit more because they knew why we were doing it. And it wasn't just like, here's the new task. And um, yeah, we our buy-in and compliance scores shot up to like 90% after that.
0: What advice would you give to others who want to implement ACEs screening at their practice or in their health system?
1: I mean, one is the obvious lesson I already alluded to, which is, you know, I genuinely believe uh every member of the team wants to know why we're doing this and and wants to know the background and because aces just affect, right? They either affect most adults or definitely affect, you know, someone that everybody knows. Um it's really worth going into, right? Especially if we're trying to build this movement of aces awareness um nationally in all sectors. Um It's worth it, and and like I said, I think it increases compliance at all the levels. But other things, I mean, I could be wrong, but I do think a huge driver of our success and other people's buy-in has been having a passionate kind of like champion for the ACEs screening. One of my colleagues that first year we got this going was um, Aaron Adams, uh, another pediatrician working with me, and kind of the dynamic tag team of two people in one clinic who are not just excited about this, like, at work, but are talking about it when they're socializing, talking about it at breaks, sharing with their nurses an impactful story, you know, I think that kind of built its own groundswell of um, having people who are kind of just passionate and, and and willing to talk about it as much as people would be willing to listen. And um, that it kind of started building on itself once we had these Anecdotes, or these stories, or these impact stories, to 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 hit home for people of hey, this is we're doing this extra sheet of paper screener, but it's way more than that.
0: I'm assuming that the patient population on a U.S. Army base is a little different than the general U.S. population that most U.S. civilian pediatricians may see. Is that the case?
1: Yes and no. I, I, I find the population of the military or and their dependents, I mean, obviously, kind of hard to characterize as a whole in the sense that there's 1.2 million active duty soldiers and um, they, if they have kids, they average 2.8 children, so we're talking millions of kids here. One of the things I think that's really interesting about practicing on a, on a military base or with a predominantly military community is that the military is really, like on a national level of the U.S., a, a great kind of little microcosm of the breakdown of the U.S. So. You may be in Washington state like I'm about to be practicing, and, you know, the demographics of the military, uh, we'll say, economically, ethnically, or racially, they actually kind of match the country as a whole better than the state itself. And the zip code where the military base is here is the most diverse in in Washington state. I, I see that as actually like a beautiful part of the Army and the, 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 the military population is that they draw from a, from a wide range of people, but it's by no means... Um, entirely just this kumbaya beautiful thing to be a military dependent, there's definitely at least potential negative things that go along with being a military dependent.
0: And what traumas are kids with parents in the military exposed to?
1: One of the biggest first take-home messages to swallow is that ACEs and, and the, the prevalence of ACEs doesn't discriminate, right? So every community in America is affected and the military is, is absolutely you know not immune to those things. Uh, things that are higher in the military population, at least that kids might be exposed to at a higher rate would be alcohol abuse, physical abuse of both a you know the parental partner as well as children, and then just being in a home environment with with alcohol use. And then, you know, is well documented the the mental toll that being deployed can take on on a soldier. So, if we're looking from an ACEs perspective, and that idea of severe mental illness, higher rates of depression in the the parent who's potentially behind, obviously higher rates of PTSD and depression for soldiers who experience trauma abroad in combat. So those are some of the traumas that I think of uh, military children maybe being at higher risk for.
0: So some providers are interested in screening sensitivity for certain populations. Can you talk about why it's important to know about military connections, even in a civilian practice?
1: Yeah. um, I can't imagine there's a clinic that has kids at it anywhere in America that doesn't have a dependent of either a veteran or an active duty soldier. The the number of s- veterans and, and active duty members we have in this country is, is so large that um, it's probably touching every practice. I mean, that's one reason. But more than that, um, you know, there are specific military risk factors right like these things have been studied that a child's exposure to deployment can affect them at any age in lots of different ways a child's exposure to excessive relocation which is basically built into the army almost every family is moving at a maximum of every three years but often sooner than that Um, and then we talked about some of the kind of ace like questions that are higher in in military and soldier members things like PTSD things like alcohol misuse and so all those things affecting children, knowing whether they're in the military or not, and then kind of like being savvy to that. And a lot of people don't realize how, you know, even though we're not seeing in the news every single day, Iraq and Afghanistan, like we did a decade ago, we're still deploying tens of thousands of people there right now. And the after effects go on. So, um, yeah, I, I, part of it's just that it, it can't be escaped. Um, you know, every practice, I think, is going to have some military dependence. And then uh, on top of that, there's some specific potential burdens to being a military child that um, are possible.
0: Are there specific resilience factors or strengths that are unique to military families?
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I think the one of the next ways of the ACEs moving is not just focusing on what your ACE score is, but looking at resiliency factors or that motivational interviewing towards the kind of good things and the strength finding uh, in a family. So, So absolutely, there are what I would say objective advantages to being a military dependent. If you're a military dependent, your parent has a really stable job that is above minimum wage and almost entirely uh, provides for basic housing, basic food. And so some of those ACE questions around physical neglect, I I don't think I've ever encountered them. And so less living in poverty and and, and then universal access to free healthcare. I mean, that's an uh, amazing benefit for basically every single military dependent. Even more subtle things like I think there's a lot of times, like, pride in having a parent serve your country and, and even sometimes deploy, that this can be a time for an adolescent to step up in the role of the family and build some maturity and care for younger siblings or demonstrate that, you know, that it's not necessarily, even deployment, not necessarily a negative experience for kids. So there's an amazing kind of community that builds up around the military often. And even if you're at risk to move and at risk to have a parent deployed, I, I also think it's really important to to know that, you know, being a military dependent can be also a wonderful experience for kids.
0: Can you tell me about a patient or family for whom ACE screening made a positive impact?
1: Yeah. Um, can I tell you too? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is this is where I derive the the passion, the meaning. So, so this girl came in for volleyball physical. Uh, look back in the chart, she had been seen maybe three, four times in the past six months for. Um, acute complaints nothing crazy and a score was one so I ask this kind of generic question every time I see a positive score regardless of the number you know if you'd like to share with me you can if you don't want to that's absolutely okay what specific thing has happened um, we know that if any of these things that ha- happen it's it's worth knowing about and it can affect your future but um, if you want to share with me you can and the mom wound up telling me that her daughter and her other daughter had both been, witnessing escalating physical violence from the dad to the mom over the past nine months it escalated even to the point of just a week prior the mom had been strangulated uh, by the her husband and she'd not told a single person she'd been in korea didn't feel like she could tell anyone because she didn't know how to get out of the country or what to do so by the time that visit ended you know a long time later we had called the military police and the, the soldier uh, was taken to the barracks and started an investigation the mom actually you know got connected with a victim advocate and then within like four days the military had um, helped relocate her back to the states with her family and the two children and you know I don't know and I don't want to over dramatize but I genuinely look back at that story and that example and feel like potentially I mean we absolutely kind of helped end the the exposure to that trauma for the children, but, but potentially, you know, save the mother's life with suffocation being such a, a serious attack. And so, um, you know, and, I, and, and the fact that they had been in many times over the time that that was occurring, but because no one had asked, or, or, or maybe the mom just wasn't ready to share, but, but, but obviously no one was asking because this is right after we started screening. Um, we found that out, and that was for a volleyball physical. Uh, and then the second story, I think, illustrates some of the, the principles of ACEs science. So this child is 20. He's living with his parents in Korea, was taking um, some online community college classes. And his parents asked him one day, you know, hey, what's going on with your grades? And they looked him up and he was failing a class and kind of had a little bit of a conflict, left the house. So five days later, on my, my list of patients coming in for the day was chief complaint of ran away from home, which is not on the differential diagnosis or or a chief complaint that I was taught in medical school. I was kind of like, oh my gosh, ran away from home. Uh, How am I going to help you? But um, kind of in my panic and overwhelming, like, oh, that's a, uh, I don't have like medicine for that or something. Anyways, no, um, I I gave an ACEs questionnaire. and Obviously, in that age group, I gave one to the parent and the child, and the child wrote back, uh, filled out 10 out of 10, all, all 10 of the ACEs had occurred in his life, and the Guardian had written two out of ten and you know I've seen discrepancies by one sometimes but never such a drastic one so I I started asking more questions about this conflict and the running away from home and and then and then was a little nervous too but broached the subject of the discrepancy in the scores and it found out and I found out that he had um, you know yeah experienced a lot of abuse and and neglect and dysfunction in his childhood Um, and then got placed through Child Protective Services with like a distant relative who, at 12 years old, who didn't really know his past, just knew some stuff had happened. And then they she, she said, she kind of made the mental decision, we're just going to start from scratch here. And so he joined their home at 12. He went all through middle school and high school in their home, played a bunch of sports, supposedly was really happy and engaged. And then in just the last year or two seemed to start having more erratic behavior, getting more frustrated and had led to this moment of like I said, just a little bit of conflict around some grades and went and ran away from home for a few days. And the mom came back, she was basically like, I have spent the last couple years in, with his increasingly frustrating behavior, saying to myself, like, what's wrong with this kid? What's wrong with this kid? And um, she's like, now I'm, I'm asking the question, like, what happened to him? You know, her deeper understanding of how his, his, his negative experiences before meeting this family were now playing out, you know, 10, 12, 15 years later was so helpful for the relationship, so helpful for his behaviors. And, and he really started to thrive after that. So those are two stories that I often reference when I'm talking to other people of like, hey, here's like what we don't know, because we don't ask, but it's happening and um, has happened. And, and we need to start asking and um, I think connect for some people more than say data and, and statistics
0: do you feel that you're capturing more of these issues for patients that either aren't ready or don't know how to disclose the fact that they have an ace honestly i I would say
1: the thing the parents are most surprised by is that these things are aces right that witnessing domestic violence in the home between ages of zero and two but not even remembering meeting that that partner um and now it could potentially impacting their kids behavior six years down the road like Honestly, I think a lot of the times when they mark these down, they're like, oh, this could affect them. There are definitely certain ACEs that I think every parent was kind of always aware of, like a abuse, we'll say. But some of the ACEs around household dysfunction, I think certain parents were, you know, alarmed but appreciative of learning, you know, the connections.
0: So we hear about trauma like PTSD, for example, associated with military veterans. How do you think ACEs screening fits into a trauma informed care approach?
1: Like I said, I mean, not, not the same thing by any means, but it may be not mandatory. You could probably be a trauma informed clinic and, and, and healthcare system without specifically asking the ACEs questions, but it's such a useful tool and just builds so much more awareness. And I do think really enhances every person, every provider's kind of awareness around histories of trauma and then leads them to practice in a trauma-informed way, right? So if one of the things that I always think of with trauma-informed care is like the physical exam, right? So you might, one person might not think that listening to a stethoscope on someone's chest is very invasive, but someone else may find that really triggering from a past physical or sexual assault. And, you know, if you are practicing trauma-informed care, you kind of have that in the back of your mind of like, hey, I don't know everyone's story and I'm going to kind of treat everyone with the same level of conscientiousness and respect and care and, you know, that um, attempts to re, not, to minimize re-traumatization at the, the provider's office during the physical exam. And, you know, whether you're asking ACE questions, sure, you could be trauma-informed in that way without asking them. But once you start to ask and you see this and you're having those conversations, I think they do play into each other really well.
0: Has ACE screening had an impact on your medical practice?
1: Oh, man. Uh Yeah, I love being an outpatient pediatrician, I love being in a clinic, I, I love doing primary care, and I I give almost all the credit to our screening project and, and what that kind of did for me personally and professionally to like feel so much more engaged and to see every single encounter as way more worthwhile than I used to. I feel like I'm able to take care of them on a much more holistic level. You know, we are good about asking a review of systems around headaches and fevers and pains, but Without an ACEs questionnaire, like I really struggled about how to kind of like delve into that home family situation. And we can talk about wearing helmets and and, and screening for lead, but this has given me just this whole extra box of, you know, anticipatory guidance and, and important concepts to to share with families. Sometimes I have a, a really useful conversation on ACEs and the score was zero, but they were just kind of curious about why we asked this. And, Um, Now I have another person out in the community who's aware and can help spread this message, right? And so the ACEs is often the, the most kind of satisfying, meaningful component of my day is when I run into a family that's gone through some hard things and now we get to have this really kind of impactful conversation.
0: That was Ben Telsey, a military pediatrician currently serving at a U.S. Army base in Washington State. You've been listening to Voices from the Field, a podcast where we explore the perspectives of providers screening for ACEs and toxic stress. I'm your host, Lena Singh. Our editor is Jennifer Marshall. This episode was mixed by Francesca Fenzi and Nuria Marquez Martinez. Ben Manila is our executive producer. This podcast is sponsored by the Center for Youth Wellness as part of the National Pediatric Practice Community on ACEs and made possible by funding from the JPB Foundation, Genentech, Cal Endowment, and the Hearst Foundation. The music was composed by Blue Dot Sessions. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time.